the Destiny Church 217 podcast. The message you're about to hear was recorded at the church conference hosted by Fivefold International. The focus of the church conference is to address the Capital C Church as a whole. This series of messages will provide insight and tools to equip the local church. In this podcast, we hear from Nathan Finocchio, who is a teaching pastor. In addition to teaching, preaching, and writing, Nathan is a worship leader and songwriter. He is also the founder of Theos U and Theos Seminary. Let's get into the message. Thank you. Have a seat. It's great to be here. Um, I'm Canadian. Look at that. Oh, it's just, it's, it's already tricky. Um, no, I, I figured you folks from Illinois could appreciate that. Um, you know, we're basically cousins, aren't we? Yeah. You know, sharing the lakes, talking weird. People can't figure us out, can they? Um, yeah, so, um, so, so I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm from Ontario. Uh, my parents pastor a church about this size um, in, agriculture, in an agricultural community uh, called Harriston. There's about 1,800 people in our town. We have a subway and a stoplight. It's pretty cool. Um, and a Tim Hortons. I don't know if you know who that is, but it's, it's like the holy grail of Canada. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so my wife and I, uh, Jasmine, Jasmine's Australian. I'm going to talk about her in a bit. Um, she uh, and I live, uh, we just moved to Franklin, Tennessee uh, about a year ago. Um, before that, we were in California for four years. And then before that, we were in New York for eight years. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're loving living in Tennessee. And it was a, uh, it wasn't a bad drive, except that I almost died like twice <laughs> by thunder tornado. It was crazy, dude. The wind... Did that wind come through here the other day? Oh my gosh. I called my wife. I'm like, I think I'm driving, like, I think I'm in the movie Twister right now. <laughs> um, so anyways, it was, that's a new thing for us. Um, you know, the, the, the wind and it's just crazy. Um, but anyhow, great, really great to be here. So thank you so much for having me. And I just sense the presence of God here today. Don't you? Um, that was just an awesome time of worship. Um, so I'm going to share a little something from the book. Um, that Kayla mentioned um, this morning, and um, and I hope that that's okay. Well, it's going to have to be. I have the microphone, so 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 it is. It's what, what's for dinner? Okay. Um, so I've been married to Jasmine for ten years, um, as of September twenty first. Pretty cool, right? Ten years. Praise God. Um, Tim, my wife is Australian, as I said, which means that she speaks. Uh, English with a speech impediment, um, and um, so I I, um, I figured that marrying an Australian would be like because we were <laughs> we're both from the you know the uh, formal penal colonies of the Crown. Um, <laughs> You know, if you stole a horse, they sent you to Australia. If you murdered somebody, they sent you to Canada. Um, and so I, I, we have a lot in common. You know, the, the, we have the, the, it's the, we're part of, literally part of the Commonwealth. And we listen to the same music. And all the advertising is very similar. Food's pretty similar. Culture is very similar. So I was thinking, you know, we're going to have lots in common. And it's just not been the case at all. Um, so Tim Keller, uh, I heard him once... Um, cite some national data that year seven is, it's the seven year itch. It's literally the year that people get divorced. Um, it's, which is fascinating. Um, and now he guesstimates that one of the reasons why people get divorced in year seven is because human beings are master manipulators and we, well there's a couple things that are going on. So we project onto each other the idealized spouse, uh, meaning that well, you know, in, in dating, uh, you're interviewing for, for the job that you want, right? But you're lying on your resume. <laughs> you know, dating is all lies, essentially. Um, so, you know, it's like, yes, I am a black belt in karate and a neurosurgeon, you know? It's like, you know, sir, this is McDonald's, you know? Um, <laughs> so I'm overqualified for this. Just pick me, you know? Um, 
And so we lovingly allow ourselves to be deceived because we want to be with this person. And so we kind of believe whatever they say and then some. And we, and we put a lot of things onto them. We project onto them things that maybe they've said, um, you know, minutely, but we, we blow it up. Um, because we, you know, oh, he's amazing, you know, like he, he helped, you know, maybe, maybe you said that you, you helped get a cat down the, down the tree, and so now you're telling your family that he's a veterinarian, um, <laughs> right? And so we, 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 we project onto them the idealized spouse. Another example could be, let's say that you're uh, Nona, um, you know, from the old country, you've got her secret recipe for spaghetti sauce or something, and... Uh, and you could never marry a man who doesn't like your notice secret recipe, right? And so he's like not wild about it, but he's not saying no because he's just hungry, you know. But 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 over six years, you know, it's like it's the message is starting to sink in that he doesn't like your recipe. And then one day you wake up and and he's just like, yeah, could we have something else for dinner? And he's like. You know, what are you talking about? It's my known secret recipe. I, I know, but like, I don't really like it. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? You've loved it. I mean, I never really loved it. <laughs> you know, and so you ask that question. You're six about, you wake up and you go, who is this person that I've married? Come on, all you married couples, have you had that moment? We're like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Who, 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 right? So my wife and I, have been in the last three years in the who are you, you know, really the getting to know you, you know, getting to know you, right? That's where we've been, dude, in the last three years. Because as a Christian, you make these commitments, you know, to God, right? It's not just to one another, but you're taking a vow before the Lord and you're saying, you know what? I might not like you, but I'm not quitting you, you know? And, and so, and so, we have this commitment as Christians, you know, to wake up and to figure out, and, and my, you know, my mother always says, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. So, you know, it's like, okay, who are you? You know, and, and so we've been kind of rediscovering who each other is, and it's a process. Um, and so one of my tasks as a husband is to listen. And is it ever hard? Um, <laughs> it's hard. I think my wife does most of the communication in our home. Um, she she talks a lot, um, and and it's probably you know a generality. It's probable that women probably come on, just go there with me. Yeah. They probably talk a little bit more than us guys do, and um, you know we're kind of nonverbal. Ooh ooh ah, ah you know like we're pointing at things and making grunting noises. And, um, and so, so I'm trying to keep up at times, um, but she, you know, she's, she's communicating and, and what I have to do is I got to listen, you know, so like the sounds go in these holes on the side of my, side of my, side of my, I got two of them, I got two here and the, and then I have to think about what she's saying. And the reason is because I, I want to know my wife, right? And, and, and she needs to be understood and she needs to be known. And that's one of our basic human needs is to be known. And so I want to, I, I, and, and I, the experts say that you need to find out what that person likes and then love them the way that they want to be loved, which is really, really hard because I want to love my wife the way I want to be loved, right? And so it doesn't come natural to me to love Jasmine the way that she wants to be loved. I mean, my, my family really, you know, worked me over. All I know is how to be a Finocchio, which is my last name. I don't, know, I don't know how to not be, right? So I love the way that my parents love. Well, her parents are completely different. It's insane. And so I'm like, why would anybody ever want to be loved like that? You know? Um, so, I'll, so I'll give you an example. Um, you know, so I'm paying, I'm paying attention. Um, my wife, when she rolls her eyes in the back of her head, it could be for two reasons. It could be that she loved what she just ate. So, for example, she loves sushi, okay? So she ro rolled, paying attention, right? Rolled eyes, back of head for sushi, right? Okay, she loves sushi. Okay, that's good. Good to know. I know something about my wife. Great. I can love her with sushi. That's, that's important. 
Or she could roll her eyes in the back of her head when she's upset at me and I'm saying something stupid, right? So you kind of got to know the difference. Um, my, wife, uh, my wife loves avocado toast. And in Canada, maybe it's like this in Illinois, but where I grew up in, particularly small town Canada, when you go out for breakfast, and it was the Tiviotdale truck stop for us, that's where we went for breakfast, um, it was kind of like a, a diner, you know? Like, and so you go to the diner, you get, you, and you get like the, the, the farmer platter. Right? You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like the, it's like the big grand slam at Denny's, right? And so you're getting, you're getting Canadian back bacon, really important. You get some pork links, and then you get some strip bacon as well. So you got three pork products there, right? And then you get, for me, I always get three eggs. Because um, I, when I wake up, I'm famished. You know, my wife, she doesn't really, she's not really eager to eat breakfast. But for me, I'm like, let's, breakfast is my favorite. So you're eating all the meats. And there will be maybe, because it's Canada, we have some beans. You know, got that from the... From the, the British, and maybe maybe some some mushrooms or something like that, and you will eat that, and then the the, the toast comes on its own plate because it's not really invited to the party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in Canada, it's it's an aside, right? Sometimes they put it on your plate, but it's like why? Um, because toast is essentially trash in Canada. I mean, like, you eat the meats, you eat the important stuff, and then you take the toast, you wipe your face with the toast, <laughs> and you throw it on the ground. Or if for some, for some unforeseen reason you're still hungry after eating all the important stuff, you begrudgingly put jam on it, right, to mask the taste of toast. Um, so, but in Australia, totally different. Um, so Australia, I didn't know this, but they are one of the big exporters of avocados. It's a, it's a tropical nation. It's insane. And so there's avocado trees everywhere in Queensland. And, um, and then on top of that, they're big into avocado toast. It's like one of the reasons why they get out of bed. Like the, that's their, it's an entree for them. Which is, it's, it's shock, it's, I don't get it as a Canadian, right? Like, why would you want to eat garbage, you know, for breakfast? And they'll charge, you'll, they'll charge you $36 for it. And, and these people will happily pay that, right? So I would, I would never think to love my wife with garbage. But I love Jasmine. I want to show her that I've been listening, paying attention to her. I, can't, I can only know Jasmine if she self-reveals, right? Because anything else is just projection. I can't tell my wife what she likes. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> right? That'll last for five seconds, and then something in the house will get thrown at me. <laughs> right? When I don't understand... What, what, we're, we're, we're at this stage where, once again, we would kind of get to know each other. And so her big thing is, you know I'm not like that. You know, like, and so, and my wife and I, we, we're, we both like to sing and we love music. And so we'll sing songs back to each other. You know, so for example, if I do something, a song that she sings of late is, if you don't know me by now, right? And so, and so she'll be, she'll, right, so we'll be, she'll be singing that to me. I'll be, okay, okay, I get it. Okay, I, I thought that you would enjoy this movie. I was wrong, okay? I, I knew you wouldn't like it. I just wanted to watch it, right? Um, <clears throat> so I want to know Jasmine. Jasmine has to self-reveal. I have to find out what she likes, and I have to do the, do the homework, and then I got to love her the way that she wants to be loved. So... When I go to the grocery store now, I'm, I get sourdough toast. Sour, it's sourdough. See, we didn't grow up on sourdough in, in, in southwestern Ontario. You know what I mean? Like, you just bought white bread, right? Because I'm, I'm we're essentially trailer trash. Um, <laughs> and so, and so sourdough, oh, sourdough. There's, there's other kinds of bread, <laughs> you know? Sourdough. She wants sourdough. Okay, so I get the sourdough. And then she wants, and I've learned about avocados. I've learned to like handle them. I never picked up an avocado in my life until I married this woman. 
right? So pick up an avocado, and I've learned, you know, you, you press your thumb into it, and if your thumb goes all the way into it, it's too ripe, and if your thumb doesn't go in at all, it's not ripe at all. It's got to go in just a little bit, and that's ready, that's ready for jazz, right? Um, and then um, she, she doesn't like that, that trailer trash uh, big gallon of, of olive oil that, you know, my mom used to buy. She wants that tiny little high-quality producer from Italy, right? The expensive one, right? The, 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 the olives had to be versions, right? <laughs> Makes no sense. Um, then, um, then, she, then she doesn't want that, that, that white trash table salt that, that I grew up with. She wants the pink Himalayan salt. <laughs> pink Himalayan salt. That, that's a laugh, right? You know, I'm sure that tastes way different. Right. But that's what Jazzy likes. And I love Jasmine, and so she's going to get it. Right? I don't understand her preferences. I think it was Oscar Wilde that said that women aren't made to be understood. They're made to be loved. You know, don't even bother trying to figure it out. Just do the thing. Just get the pink Himalayan salt and the high-quality produce right in the sourdough and the, the avocado, and you just bring that home, and you just get out of the way, right? And, and, and now, would you agree with me, though, that people have preferences? Like, would you agree with me? People have preferences. It, it's just, it is what it is. It's part of being human. People have preferences, and and. It is, it's not a bad thing, it's not a good, it just is what it is, right? Okay, so God is a person. He's not an impersonal cosmic force. God is not a vibe. God's not vibes, right? He's not, he's, he's not, he's not the force, right? Um, God is a person. And as a person, he has preferences. Now, um, how, do I, how can I possibly get to know the God of the universe? Well, he has written scripture to us. He's self-revealed. See, God wants to be known. I can't know everything there is to know about Jasmine. I will never know. I'm just scratching the surface of everything that's in her, right? God has put eternity in the heart of man. I'm sort of, you know, borrowing an idea from, a, from the writer of Ecclesiastes, which I don't even know if he necessarily meant. But the idea is that we're made for eternity and God's deposited a lot into us, right? So like, you know, like, we're in, in eternity, we're going to be discovering everything that it is that God's put into, into us, right? N never mind my wife. Like, I will never know God exhaustively. Right? When I get to heaven and I look at him, I'm going to be more confused than ever. I'm not going to look at God and be like, oh, I get it. No, I'm going to be like, what is even happening? <laughs> Right? And for eternity, God's just going to show us another shade of his wonder and his glory, and we're just going to praise again, you know? It's going to be insane. Now, I can't know my wife exhaustively. I can't know God exhaustively, but I can know Jasmine accurately, and I can know God accurately. Just because I can't know somebody exhaustively doesn't mean I can't know them accurately. You hearing me? So there are some things that Jasmine doesn't like. And there are some things that God doesn't like. Right. You hearing me? Right. And so Christian worship is finding out who God is through his self-revelation. Of course there is a Bible because God's a person. And he wants to be known Truly, he wants to be known accurately. The Father is looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. God wants to be known truly. He wants to be known accurately. And so, of course, of course, there's scripture because God is saying, this is who I am. It's me. Hi. 
This is this, and this is what I'm like. These are the things that I like. These are the things that I don't like. Christian worship is finding out who God is through his self-revelation, not projecting onto him who he is and what he's like. Right? We have a lot of Christian spiritualists in the church at the moment. And they, they, they love to tell God what he's like. Right? Like, well, this is the, and, and, I, and I, could never, I could never worship a God who is like this. And it's like, nobody cares, especially not God. Right? Can you imagine pulling that stunt with a, with a person? You imagine me saying to Jasmine, I could never marry somebody who likes avocado toast. It's like, well, enjoy that, buddy. That's not, that's not how it works. No, and God is, he's the king of the universe. He's the king. He's the king of all things. You don't tell the king what he's like. You don't, you know, the, the clay doesn't tell the potter. Right? It's ridiculous. Just the idea of us telling God what he should be like. Oh, okay, you've been alive for five seconds and you somehow know about justice. You wouldn't know justice if it hit you across the face. No, this, our king is righteous and he's just. And, there, and all justice flows from his justice. I could never worship a God. No, that's, that's, that is Christian Buddhism. Yeah, that's where, you know, it's like Christianity is the buffet and you just kind of pick and choose what things you're going to eat. But Jesus is like, if you need to eat you need to eat the whole meal. If you got to drink my blood and eat my body. I was like, That's, this is getting weird. He's like, yep, I'm in charge. It's the point. You, you got to eat the whole meal. Right? I can't divorce Jesus from his words. You hearing me? Even the, the things that I don't like. Right? The things that I don't like in Scripture, I, when I get to, to Scripture, I get the parts of Scripture that I don't like, I don't get to tear them out of my, my Bible. Right? I have to deal with that. And I have to assume that I'm wrong and God is right. So Christian worship then, all of Christian worship, what we're doing here this morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night, the purposes of the church, it is to find out what God likes and to give him the avocado toast. That's Christian worship. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning for our, with our remainder time. Okay, let's go to our first uh, passage of scripture. I believe it's in Psalm 141. Psalm 141, verse 2. And this is one of David's band on the run songs. Okay, he's on the run for his life and he is not able to be at the tabernacle. He loves the tabernacle. He loves to be worshiping in the house of God, but he can't be there right now. He's probably on the run for his life because of the Absalom um, incident. And so he's praying from a distance. He's praying in the wilderness. And he says this, God, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And he's praying through the tabernacle furniture. And he's like, God, you know, uh, so you guys know the Ark of the Covenant, right? Remember, it's that golden box Right? And you open it and the Nazis' faces melt off at the end of Indiana Jones. Yeah, okay. Okay, so that's, um, God had this little green room in the, in the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies, or the Holiest of Holies. And there was this, this, um, this veil, and on the other side of that veil was a little altar with incense on it right on the other side of that veil. So God could smell the incense on the other side of the veil, right? And so he's saying, God, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. God, you know that incense that's right outside of your room, right outside of that holiest of holiest places, and you can smell it. God, I, I, I'm out here in the wilderness, but let my prayers be as close to you as that incense. And God's going, yes, because obviously David is praying He's writing this in the spirit, Jesus says. David writes in the spirit, and so he's writing prophetically here, and he's describing, and I mean, ultimately, the tabernacle is just, it's a, it's a description. It's like the Barbie, you know how Barbie's house looks like a real house, but it's not a real house, right? That's the tabernacle comparatively to God's throne room. The tabernacle was like the Barbie house, 
to, to God's throne room. And in God's throne room, the prayers of the saints are incense that are rising before the throne room of God, right? We see this in the book of Revelation. And so God's saying, yes, yes, I smell your prayers. God smells our prayers, every single one of them. Isn't that beautiful? They're that close, even though we feel we could be so far away. And God smells them. And then David says, and Lord, the lifting up of my hands, like, God, I've read Torah. I know what makes you happy. The first five books of the, of the, of the Old Testament, the law of Moses, I've read it. And I've read about the sacrifices. And I, and I know what you like and what's required. And I want to show you that I'm in this relationship with you. I want to show you that I care. I want to worship you in the detail that you have prescribed because you have preferences and I respect that. And so I've found out the things, I know what your avocado toast is, but I'm in the wilderness right now and I can't bring a sacrifice. So how do I, how do I show you that I'm in this without bringing you something to the tabernacle? And so David says, God, with the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Now, this is huge because A, it's a game changer. It's a prophetic game changer. Like where's the precedent for hands being lifted in the Torah and that being like the evening sacrifice? There is none. So he's writing here prophetically and he's anticipating New Testament worship. Which is what you just did today. When we're lifting our hands we were, we were like doing the prophetic unlock here that David found. Because when, when, when David wrote that, God's going, yes, I love hands. <laughs> hands is like God's avocado toast. I don't get it. I would have chosen feet. I don't know. I'm just kidding. No, actually hands are much cleaner and more sanitary. You know, but it's just, it's just random. It's like, why would God, why hands? I don't know. God's a person, he has preferences. You know, Paul talks about lifting holy hands. The first thing that you do in church, you know, this is why I require first, that men everywhere, lifting holy hands without wrath or doubting. So we see that, you know, Paul's picking up on this. Um, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, but, because it appears that the author of the book of Hebrews is essentially going to copy and paste Psalm 141 verse 2. And the author of the book of Hebrews is going to drop it in Hebrews 13, 15. So let's give a, a quick little background here for the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was an encyclical letter. That means a letter that you share with, with, with other congregations written primarily to Jewish peoples. Okay? Some of the church fathers believe that it was written in Hebrew actually first um, and then translated into Greek because the Greek is so technical. So this is, this is now, the, the Jewish Christians faced extreme socioeconomic persecution. Um, very extreme. It cost them everything to follow Jesus. Everything. Their, their families would disown them. They'd be kicked out of the synagogue. Nobody would do business with them anymore. And they became very, very poor very, very quick. And this is why Paul, in his first missionary journey, has to go around the Mediterranean and basically borrow, rob, steal from all of the Gentile churches to take care of the Judean saints, right? To raise money for the Judean saint relief effort. Because these folks had nothing. This is why we'll see in Acts chapter 5, people are selling their, their pieces of property just to keep the church fed and alive. Right? Because these people, it cost them everything. Now, their detractors are saying, what is wrong with you? Why would you follow Jesus? How are you going to worship this new Jesus dude? You got no priests. You got no temple. Your pet's heads are falling off. You know, like, figure it out. This is a pretty... And so the author of the book of Hebrews is going to, to address all of these issues. Because they're going, yeah, how do, we, how do we worship? We're getting a little insecure. We're thinking about leaving Jesus. And so the author of the book of Hebrews, the big message of the, of the, of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. So Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the, 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 the Levitical priesthood because he has a different priesthood. It's a better priesthood. 
He's better than the temple, and we have a better altar, and we can offer better sacrifices. And so we're coming to the book, the end of the book of Hebrews, and he begins to give these people some really practical examples of how they can sacrifice, how they can do worship. And so he says this, through Jesus then, we can continually, as we saw in Psalm 141, verse 2, right? You don't have to be at the tabernacle. You can be anywhere, and you can continually offer up a sacrifice. Right? Like, how do, we, how do we do sacrifices? Like, I got you. You can continually offer up sacrifices. There's sacrifices of praise. The Hebrew word for, for, uh, for praise, well, one of the main ones is yada. And, and, and we, we see, in, in, obviously, in Psalm 141, a sac- you know, the lifting up of my hands, the lifting up of my yad. As a, as you know, as a, as the evening sacrifice. If you're here with me, would you just let's just do an audience participation moment for a second? Just, just come on, just have some fun here for a second. Just lift one of your hands to me, just like that. Okay, you got a yod. That's your yod. Okay, Hebrew word for hand is yod, and I just want you to go like that. Hello. Okay. So, so the waving of the hand is yada. To yada, and that literally that's praise. The English transliteration of Yada is Judah. We get that from the German theologians because they they love their hard J's. Okay, so um, so so the so in the Hebrew mind, praise often involved the hand, right? Because the root word of of one of their main words for praise is hand. Yada. So, and, and we see this, of course, in Psalm 141, and that's the, the, you know, the kind of the context here that the, the author of the book of Hebrews is stealing that idea of a sacrifice of praise to God, just lifting it from Psalm 141, verse 2, and the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And there's the prayers there, right? So it's pretty interesting. And so, and this is, this really would really matter to, the, to this audience here because Old Testament precedent is a big deal for them. Right? So like, okay, wow, yes, yeah, sacrifice of praise. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the lifting of the hands and the prayers. Wow, that's incredible. And then the author of the book of Hebrews uh, says, and don't forget to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, let's talk about sacrifices for a second here because sometimes as Christians, we can have these strange notions about sacrifice and being a New Testament believer. Now, um, I don't sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sin, and neither do you, right? right? Jesus paid it all, right? 2,000 years ago, Jesus is the once and for all, he became the once and for all unrepeatable sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, right? No, nobody's sacrificing for the forgiveness of sins anymore. That's, that's done. It, it's all fulfilled in Jesus. He's the sacrifice lamb. And so I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to sacrifice to be in right standing or to get righteousness from God. You hearing me? I, because now Jesus, when I believed in Jesus, I applied the blood of the lamb under the doorposts of my life. I'm in right standing with God. Now I'm in this relationship with the God of the universe because of Jesus Christ. I'm so pumped. And so from that, I sacrifice. Because I'm in relationship with God now and I want to show him that I'm in this relationship with him. You hearing me? So I'm not sacrificing for the forgiveness of sin. I'm sacrificing from the forgiveness of sin. Right? Sacrifice is a New Testament concept. We're reading the New Testament. Well, I thought that we can just, it's grace. Yes, well, no, grace is not opposed to works. It's opposed to merit. Right? The, the, you know, that. oh, yeah, I deserved it. No, no, definitely not. Bad news for you, buddy. You deserve nothing. Right? So, no, grace is that Jesus appeared and became the sacrifice for us. That's the grace of God. And then the grace of God actually empowers us to work. Right? When the grace of God was operating in Paul's life, he's saying, man, I worked harder than everybody. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was at work in me. It's this weird thing. Right? So grace empowers sacrifices. Grace empowers works. Now, I sacrifice because I'm in a relationship with God. The other reason why I sacrifice is, is, is because it's my job. Let's go to, to, to Peter here. 
Peter's writing to the New Testament church. And, um, and so, I mean, he's speaking to you this morning. And he says this, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Let's stop there. What Peter really means is like bricks. Have you ever seen a brick that was just alone? Right? It's like just sitting there on the sidewalk. And you're like, what's wrong, little buddy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody needs to do like a Pixar movie of a brick. You know? And, it's just, and he's just missing. It's the missing brick, right? It's always strange to see a brick that's alone. And, and when you see a brick that's alone, you kind of look around going, where did you fall out of? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's odd looking, you know, and sometimes it's chipped or it's damaged. It's like, oh, you're cracked in two. Oh, nobody wants you. You know, like, you're hearing me. Bricks belong in houses. They belong in buildings. They belong in constructions. They are designed to fit with other bricks. And this is what Peter means. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So you are literally designed to fit in to the spiritual house. Right, Acts chapter two says that God added to the church daily those he was saving. When God is saving somebody, he's adding them to the church. That's how it works, because you are, you are spiritually designed to be in the spiritual house. Right? Well, I, it's just me and Jesus. I, I really question that. Because, because if God's saving, God adds. And if there was spiritual birth, if there was spiritual vitality in your life, it would manifest in gathering. You hearing me? Now, there's, you know without even getting into the, you know, the, the reality that it can be hard sometimes to find a church. And so it can be hard sometimes to, you know, to, churches are full of people and people suck. <laughs> and, and the reason why this church isn't perfect is because you're here. You know. But hear me out. You're, you yourselves, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So you have literally accomplished one of your primary missions as a Christian this morning. It doesn't feel that spiritual, but guess what? It's super spiritual. Sometimes super spiritual things are super ordinary things. Right? I think as charismatics and Pentecostals, we're like looking for like, I'm looking for the glory cloud. I'm like, dude, you are being the glory cloud right now. You are being super, you, you showered today. Some of you wore deodorant. It's incredible. God is working in your life. And you came to church. Right? You might not feel that spiritual, but you're killing it according to Peter right now. You're part of the, you're part of the gathering. You're part of, you're part of the spiritual house. Now, this is cool. Once you become the spiritual house, you unlock the next level. The next level is to be a holy priesthood. See, like, I don't need a priest I am a priest. That's, that was Martin Luther's deal. Remember 400 years ago, he's got 95 problems with the Catholic Church? He's like, yeah, one of them is I don't need a priest. I am a priest. He believed in the priesthood of the believer. And this thing only works if everybody gets involved. Right? Protestantism is based on the idea that you're a priest, you're a priest, you're a priest. Everybody here is a priest. Otherwise, let's just go be Catholic. Let's just go across the road and be passive. Right? And just let the priest do all the work. No, dude, you are a priest. You gathered, you can't, you're part of the church, and, that, and now you're a priest. Now, what do priests do? Priests offer spiritual sacrifices. Okay, what kind? Acceptable ones. <laughs> right? Not just ones that, you know, uh, you know, I worship God this way. No, you worship God the way he wants to be worshiped. Right, you hear me? Well, you know, like, I had an idea that God might like this. That's cool, but why don't you find out what he likes? Right? Like, worship him the way that he's revealed himself. Give him the avocado toast. Right? And you're in a relationship with God? Oh, brother, I've been in a relationship for 10 years. Let me tell you about relationships. You don't get just to do whatever you want. You got to find out what that person wants. Relationships are work, dude. Got quiet in here. 
Yeah, we're in a relationship with God. We're a, we're a priesthood. And we're bringing spiritual sacrifices. What kinds? Acceptable ones. How do we know that they're acceptable? Because they're ones in Scripture. They're the ones that we just read. The sacrifice of praise. The lifting of our hands. And, 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 you know, and, and our thanksgiving. And doing good and sharing what we have. Do a, a study on sacrifices in the New Testament. Like, I think half of them are, are involve money. You know, Paul's like, hey, I got that check. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable to God. So there's these sacrifices, things, and acceptable. We used to sing the song when I was a kid. Uh, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Hey, of the Lord. Great song. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Yes, we do. Into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Okay. All right. It's actually a horrible song. But great theology. Right? We, we knew we, we were doing. God, we're here. We're here for you. And we've brought these. And we hear you like them. Right? And so, God, we brought our, we brought our sacrifices. This is one of my concerns at the moment with the church. Um, you know, I think that the church, the cool thing about the church is that Jesus is building it. Jesus is superintending the church. And so, you, I, you know, I don't need to be worried. But, uh, because, because if Jesus is building it, it's going to be okay. Um, but here's one thing that I think we can get better on, okay? Um, everywhere else in America, we're consumers. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I love consumerism. I love free market capitalism. Let me give you an example. If you open up a cafe and you're mean to everybody and your prices are awful and the music's awful and the food is disgusting, I hope that you go out of business quickly. <laughs> and I'm going to tell everybody that place sucks and that pe those people don't care. And I hope that it just, you know, because we vote with our dollars, right? right? That's a really good system. To, it, it's, a, it's a system that actually in, it, it incorporates the idea of greed. Like people are greedy, so why not harness that? You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, like I need to make money. Yes, you do. So do a good job, and I'll award you. Does that make sense? It's a it's a paradoxical uh, counter and, and and check and balance. If you open up a cafe and your cafe is awesome, and the music's awesome, and you're kind to people, right? You're just nice and your food is delicious, I'm going to tell everybody to go there, and I hope that you make a scat of money. You hear me? Right? I love that. I love consumerism. I think that that's awesome. I'm not talking about materialism. I'm talking about consumerism. I like the idea that it's like, you, you know, we vote with our dollars, and we go places where we're respected. We go places where the, 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 where the, the merchandise is good, and it, it'll last. Right? You don't want to buy junk. You want to buy good stuff, right? And so we vote with our dollars. That's a good thing. The problem is when we are consumers and we come into the church and we stop being a priest at the door. See, at the door, you're supposed to become a priest. But the, the problem is, is when you come in and you, you, you remain a consumer. You know, and so, for example, you, you get your Yelp review. Anybody, any Yelp reviewers out there? My wife is a Yelp reviewer. Right? If you do not want my, you do not want to open a restaurant and have my wife go to your, your restaurant. Trust me, she will light you on fire. <laughs> if if it's bad, and so you know, so let's say, so you come in and Yelp is this app that you review, you know, customers review restaurants, etc. And so, you know, let's say we went to a Denny's after this, all of us, we show up and they're they're panicking, right? And so, and then we order food, and the food comes an hour late, and everybody's rude to us. Well, we're going to give them, like, out of five stars, we're going to give them, like, a one-star review, right? And we're going to be like, no, go back, you know, don't bring a party. Um, you come into church, though, and you bring your Yelp review, right? And it's like, and so you're reviewing everything. And, and rather than being a priest, you, you, you got the Yelp review, right? And so you're going, oh, you know, they didn't sing Good, Good Father. It's my favorite song. So minus a star. You know, and it was a little loud in there, and um, so uh, minus a star. And I didn't like the color of the carpet, so minus a star. And I don't know who this Canadian freak is. You know, where's the, where's Pastor Eric? Zero stars. 
right? You're hearing me, right? Um, a priest's primary role is to minister to the Lord and then to minister to others. But primarily, what does a, pri what does a priest do? A priest ministers to the Lord. They offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Right? So, so when I come to church, and if I'm in my right mind and I've got my priestly garments on, I am coming to church to minister to the Lord. First and foremost. That, God, I'm here for you. I'm here to minister to you. I'm not here to get. I'm here to give because I'm a priest. You hear me? A consumer's here to get. A priest is here to give. A priest understands the assignment. Right? God, I'm here. I'm here. I lift my hands, not because I'm good at it, not because I want to. I lift my hands because I'm here to minister to you. It has nothing to do with, it's not, it has nothing to do with what my desires or wants or needs are. It has everything to do with this is my job. This is what I'm called to do. You've got me into right relationship with you. It's insane. I've won the, the lottery. I'm in relationship with God. God, I'm giving you what you deserve. You hearing me? You know, this is not the worship team. You're the worship team. Right? This is, they're just facilitating your job as a priest for you to bring the sacrifices. You know, like, well, what did you think this was? Christian karaoke? <laughs> you know, why, what, what, what did you, why do you think we lifted our hands? We saw it at, a, at an English, you know, soccer game. We're just like, you know, we should incorporate that. No, we're, we're, we are trying to give God the avocado toast. We're trying to know him accurately and give him acceptable worship. All right, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. My heart is steadfast, oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. So David is, is um, he's supposedly maybe woken up in the morning here and he's about to do his, his devotions. And as you know, David is the Jimi Hendrix of the harp, okay? When he played, demons flee, right? Like, he was, just, he was incredible. And we got his whole discography. It's the Psalms. And he's a, he's a very proficient writer. And he was a music producer. And the guy's incredible, okay? And so he says, my heart is steadfast, God. My heart is steadfast. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to make melody. And then he says this, um, next verse. He says, awake my glory, which is strange because typically the Bible talks about God's glory, never talks about our glory. And so, uh, so you gotta, kinda, kinda gotta pay attention that we're gonna come back to that. But he says, awake my glory. And then it's like, okay, awake my glory, that's random. And then he explains to us what his glory is. Awake, O harp and lyre. So he's essentially saying, God, I'm gonna worship you, but I'm gonna worship you the best part of me, my glory. And so he, you know, <clears throat> he's got the harp and the lyre. And so he plugs in the harp to the Marshall stack behind him, turns it up to 11, right? I will awake the dawn, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> and he awakes the neighbors and the dawn. David um, is saying that, God, I'm going to worship you, but I'm going to worship you the best part of me, right? Everybody has a glory. All glory is transcendent. It's from God. It's just like all beauty is transcendent. It's from God. Like beauty first exists in the Godhead. Glory first exists in the Godhead. But God has given to every person a measure of glory. This is why David will say somewhere else in the Psalms, you know, give unto the Lord, O you mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory that is due his name. Isn't that cool? So we return glory to the Lord by worshiping him worshiping him with our glory. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. And it, it means in Hebrew, weight. And the idea is, it's, it's, well, there's, it's a manifest, or manifold word. There's different you know, things to it. But one of, one of the ideas of the weight is it's, it's what you bring to a room. Let's say that we're at a party and you come in, uh, maybe it's at Pastor Eric's house, and um, and you say, uh, so, so I lean over, and I'm like, you know, you come into the room, and so I go, who's that? And then, you know, pastor says, well, um, that's so-and-so, 
and he's a great mechanic and he's a great golfer and he can fix anything and he's the sweetest dude. And he begins to talk about, you know, what you're good at. It's what you, the, it's your weight. It's what you bring to a room. Um, it's your, your kabod is the reason why somebody would text you and ask you for help. Your kabod is the reason why somebody will pick up the, the phone and they'll call you and, and get your advice on something, get your take on something, get some strategy from you. It's what you're really good at. Um, your kabod is also um, your dialed inness and your spark. It's your, it's your attentiveness. Um, it's when you're there. I was at a, a Calgary Flames uh, playoff hockey game last year. And um, the coach of the Calgary Flames has a 45-year-old Down syndrome son. And during the third period, there was this moment where they go, it's the so-and-so, they, they, name, they name the son, uh, the, the coach's son. And so they said, it's the so-and-so, you know, moment. And every, the, whole, the whole arena starts erupting and, and, and cheering. I'm like, okay, cool. And so my buddy's like, you're going to love this. I'm like, okay, cool. And so they put the camera on this 45-year-old Down syndrome guy, and, and they put on dance music, and he just starts dancing straight for like two minutes. And this dude was dancing the hardest that he ever danced in his life. And apparently he does this every game. It's incredible. And the stadium went nuts. People are just loving it. You know, because he's going so hard and it's so fun. And we're cheering him on and chanting his name. And he's like, yeah, you know, and he's just going for it. He's a horrible dancer. <laughs> right? Not good. But it was glory. He, it was kabod. He was so fully there. Kabod isn't just necessarily what you're good at. It's when you turn up to something. It's your attention. Right? Um, it, it's, um, guys, it's like the first date with your wife. Do you remember the first date with your then girlfriend? And you're just like, you're just, you just don't, don't want to miss a thing, right? <laughs> even when I dream of you, right? And you're just, you're just paying attention to every single, you know, I could stay awake just to hear you breathing, right? You're just like, you're just, I'm, I'm not going to miss a thing, right? The, they remember that, by the way. Um, that's kabod, Right? Um, one of the ways that I, one of the ways that I, I love my wife is by listening to her psychotic dreams. <laughs> my wife dreams every night. She, and she always has a dream. It's crazy. I don't remember my dreams, but she does. And so, yeah, I'm not like, and, and sometimes like I'm in trouble in her dreams or I did something crazy, you know, so I'm like, I don't really want to hear it. You know, like, you know, you were, you were mean to me at a party last night in my dream. I'm like, I was sleeping innocently <laughs> and sweetly beside you, you know. Um, so anyways, I know that at certain points of the day, she'll want to tell me, so uh, we'll, be, we'll be driving and, um, and I'll be keeping us alive and she'll, but I'll be like, hey, you know, uh, did you have a dream? You want, do you want to tell me about your dream? And she'll say, yeah. I was like, okay, tell me. And so she's like, okay, well, I was in Jurassic Park last night in my dream. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Huh? And um, there was a velociraptor that was chasing me. I'm like, wow, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Wow. And then... What happened next year, you know, make eye contact, show interest. So, <laughs> so and then a Tyrannosaurus Rex came out of nowhere. And, and, and I'll be driving, and then, you know, maybe there's a dude that's following me a little bit close. I mean, he's like, he's been following me pretty close for a while now. This, this guy's starting to annoy me. You know, like, maybe it's the IRS. You know, maybe it's the FBI. You know, I, I don't know. I, th I think I made a, a, a campaign donation to the Trump like four years ago for $50. <laughs> Maybe, you know, you start getting paranoid, whatever it is. You know, and so, 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 <laughs> and so I, so, sh so she'll be talking and I'll be going, yep. Uh-huh, because I'm in my world now, you know, like, you know, with, with the, with, with the potential FBI agent on, on us. <laughs> 
And, and yeah, yeah. And then she'll, she'll stop talking. And then she'll go, Nathan, where are you? <laughs> right? <laughs> God is like a woman. He knows when you're not there. So, so, so we should bring the sacrifices. We should bring hands, right? And, 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 we should, and, and with thanksgiving, enter his courts with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, right? And, and it's a sacrifice of praise, and, and, you, and you bring your money, and you do those things. Um, but God wants Yod with Kabod. He wants it with glory, Right, like he doesn't want just the hands; he wants the hands with your heart. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And and there can be a divorce at times in our worship, where you know you're 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 kind of mailing it in, and you, you lifted your hands maybe, and you're going, "Man, I am so spiritual." But God's going, "You're not even here, dude." You know, like because whatever the glory that God gave you. It's just not there. Maybe, maybe it is a money issue. Maybe you're a business person and you're just, your kabod is making money. You kill it at it. You're strategic at it. It's a glory that God gave you because God gave you the ability to get wealth. And so, and so you kill it. But there's a divorce, man, in it. And, and, and you're not bringing your glory to the Lord. And God's going, you're not here. You're not here. Maybe you're an articulate person. And if I gave you a letter... You could just, you know, and, and I told you, somebody over here is really, they're, they're very discouraged and they're very downcast. And you could write this beautiful letter that would encourage them, right? But in worship times, you know, or in your conversations with God, you're shooting blanks, right? Like you're not, and God's going, what about me? Right? What, what about me? Why, why don't you ever stir up your glory towards me? Maybe you have time. Maybe you have lots of time on your hands. That's your glory at the moment. You just, you just have time. And, but you, there's, you're not giving your time to the Lord, you're giving your time to maybe to, you know, to, to volunteer or help or whatever it is. Bottom line is Holy Spirit knows where you're at. And at times, God's going, thank you. Thank you for the yod, but I, I want the kabod. Right? Now, Here's the deal. When we give God Yod with Kabod, right? With our, our, our hands, but our heart, our, our, you know, our sacrifices, but with, with our, our glory and our attention, um, we get God with Kabod. See, God has a glory. God has a weight. And God can begin to lean into your life. And you could experience the glory of God. And this is one of the issues I think that many Christians miss. It's like, yeah, you, you're, going, you're going to heaven, but it could be that you could never experience the glory of God in your life. Wow. Because God is so faithful to show up when we show up. And he's so faithful to not show up when we don't show up. You know, God, you know some of us have this idea that God is, you know, this desperate boyfriend who's just chasing you constantly. You know, he's, he's Enrique Iglesias. You know, you can run, you can hide, but you can't escape my love. That's not, that's not God. God is not the desperate boyfriend slipping into your DMs constantly. That's, that's not who he is. J James chapter 4, this is the New Testament. So I'm, I'm reading New Testament to you. Just in case you had any issues with the scripture that I've been reading today. You'd have to deal with that. James chapter 4 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. No, God is already drawn near. Wouldn't you say that he's already, he's, he's the one that Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us, right? The, the word became flesh, he was incarnated. God's drawn near. But James is saying, look, you, you want experiences in God? You want the glory of God? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. How do I cleanse my hands? By giving them to the Lord. Purify your hearts. How do I purify my kabod, my glory? What is given is sanctified. Your hands and your glory have been building and constructing you for your whole life. And God is saying, that's cool. You want me 
to lean in with my glory into your life, you're going to need to begin to change your relationship with your hands and your heart. You need to begin to offer those things to me. And as you offer those to me, I will begin to show up in power. There's so many Christians, I think, that they miss these opportunities for, for God to draw near to them because they just mail it in. Now, listen, there's a difference between that and learning, you know, to be a worshiper. Man, I'm, I'm an imperfect worshiper. Imperfect. I'll, I'll be worshiping, you know, how great is our God. Sing with me, I wonder if Tom Brady will play. Sing with me. Right? Like, that's me. You know, I'll be worshiping, I'll be singing this, I'll be there, and then I'm not there. Right? I'm an imperfect worshiper, and I have to continually, I have to keep repenting and coming back. Right? God, I'm back. It's like with my wife, marriage is continual repentance. It never stops, ever. It's awful, but it's wonderful, because that's life, right? And, and, you know, so we, okay, babe, I'm back. I'm back. God, I'm back. You know, you know, where were we? Where were we? You, you're at the, you were talking about the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And she'll look at me like, okay. You know, and then, she, and then, and then we're back in. And that's, that's, that's my worship. God, I'm back. God, I'm back. I have been, I have not been faithful in my giving. And God, I'm back. I repent. I'm back because I want your presence. And I need your presence. God, I, I need your glory in my life. I, I want your presence in my life. I want to experience your goodness. Come on, why don't you stay with me? There's this principle in the Old Testament. Ending with this. And this principle in the Old Testament, if you look through every altar in the Bible, whenever they build the altar the way God wants it, and they put what God wants on the altar, God shows up. Every single time. It's incredible. And the the, the principle is this. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response, meaning God will always show up when the sacrifice is right. That's amazing. You know how amazing that is? How good is God? I don't even show up when the sacrifice is right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for whatever reason, I could be, you know, I'm just not, I don't want steak today. Yeah. You know, it's like us human beings are so fickle. But God is so eager to meet with you and to reveal himself and to show himself strong on your behalf that every time the sacrifice is right, he'll show up. And it makes church really special. Because when you come into church then and you begin to, when you lift your hands, it's not just this is what we do, it's God, this is an acceptable sacrifice. Right? And it's, it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be generous because I believe in you know, the kingdom. It's God, you're gonna show up. Lord, when, I, when I'm giving to you and, I'm, and my hands are to you and my heart is towards you, fire is gonna come on my altar. Fire's coming. I don't know, I don't know when, it's, when it's coming, but I know it's on the way because every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. This is, right? This is the type of boldness that the New Testament church is supposed to worship with. We're supposed to come boldly. Why? Because we know that God is going to meet with us because the sacrifice is right. Right? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ got us in the door. Right? And then the sacrifice that we bring is the priesthood bring the glory of God into our lives in a powerful and manifest way. So we just need to keep coming back to the heart of worship. And the heart of worship is that it's all about Him all about him and we got to keep repenting and we're sorry Lord for the thing that we made it right when it's all about us what can I get it's all about me 
and projecting onto God, telling God what he's like and telling the church what the church should be like. No, no, no. The church should be what God says the church should be. God should be who God says he is. And we just need to come, bring the sacrifices and worship him the way that he wants. And as we do so, he shows up in power and in glory and in manifest ways. And the church becomes this beautiful light in the world, a prophetic witness to the world. And people can come and see and experience, they can taste and see the goodness of God because the glory of the Lord is on the church, the church that's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Father, right now, we thank you for your presence. Father, we lift up, we lift up our holy hands today. <laughs> what a privilege it is, God, to worship you. And Lord, I thank you that as we lift our hands to you, fire's coming on the altar. Father, we thank you that you always draw near. As we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And Father, we, we ask you to just forgive us. We repent today for making worship all about ourselves. Father, forgiving you, forgiving you worship that we didn't care about, giving you worship that you didn't care about. God, we say we will be people who worship you in spirit and truth. God, we will offer you right sacrifices. We will offer you spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God, we, we embrace our priesthood again today. Father, we, embrace, we, take that seri- we take our priesthood seriously today. No longer consumers that come into the church trying to get, but priests that come into the church ready to give to the Lord. Glory do his name. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being the priesthood. And God, we thank you that your glory comes to rest on your church in a powerful way. Lord, I thank you that in the coming days, There will be individual testimonies and stories of the glory of God in our workplaces, in our homes, in our cars. Father, in every areas of our life. And Father, I thank you for an increased awareness of the presence of God in this church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We say yes and amen to it, God. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from the church conference hosted by Fivefold International. To learn more, you can visit the website at fivefoldinternational.org. Make sure to check out the entire series of teachings from the church conference on the Destiny Church 217 podcast.